tell stories so grand of this vast, timeless land, and they call it Sunday with Mac. I had a great ride in cardiovascular medicine. We started out uh, when I was a young uh, medical student. The death rate from open-heart surgery was very high. It was well above 50%. Now the death rate from cardiovascular surgery uh, is lower than it is for an appendicectomy because you have such a good team around you. When I was a young doctor, replacing a valve was very difficult. Now a valve can be replaced uh, without even opening the heart. We can put in valves with uh, stents without even opening the heart. We can fix coronaries without opening the heart an amazing ride and uh, we can do electrophysiologic things and fix the electrical system and all this was not available when I was a young doctor so it's been a fantastic ride. I think medicine is an incredibly good career if you actually want to help people. If you want to do it for your parents sake or because you happen to be bright or because you want to make money, you can do please, yeah, please go and become a stockbroker or a banker or, or a something lawyer. else or a lawyer. Just stay out of medicine. <laughs> Eventually you become rusty. If you're a surgeon, there's a certain age beyond which your surgical abilities decrease. That tends to occur a little younger in surgeons and physicians where you're just relying on uh, your intellectual ability and hopefully you keep that for a bit longer. But there does come a stage where you fall behind uh, the latest trends and then you need to call a day on it and hand over to younger people. You also need to make room for younger people. Uh, it's like in the Australian Rugby Union. Yes. <laughs> got a cracker. They tell stories so grand of this vast, timeless land, and they call it Sunday with Macca. They all call it Sunday with Macca. Yeah, they all call it Sunday with Macca. Get on with it, Macca. Good morning and welcome to the program. That was Dimitri. Didn't he say some wonderful things? He, D- Dimitri sailed. Remember he sat, was sailing and he's sailing back to Australia and he also... I'm going to find that. What I'm going to do is go back through my back pages in the next uh, couple of months and go through things that we used to, that people have said all over the world. He was sailing back and he said, he was, was he in the North Atlantic and he was talking about the fish and how you didn't see many fish at all and had been fished out and he saw in different parts, he saw the Chinese longliners and uh, too many people in the world. You can't feed them all. You can't feed them all. That's ridiculous. And we just keep... Piling people upon people, but um, that was Dimitri. But and speaking of, well, something almost on the same lines. This is from uh, Amy, Amy Glynn. She says, Ian, I live in Wagga. Last year I was diagnosed with non Hodgkin's lymphoma and required radiation for 20 days. Before I started, I had to pay nearly $5,000 from my FPOS card, then 1300 every Tuesday for five weeks. Thank God I could pay it, but there are many people who don't have those funds in their account. Those people have to go elsewhere in order to receive treatment. That'll take them miles away from their families and loved ones. This has been a major issue in Wagga, and Joe McGurr, Dr Joe McGurr, our member, has been trying very hard to get funds from the government in order to provide bulk billing in Wagga and surrounding district. Dr Joe has taken a very important issue to Parliament and debated in Parliament on the 1st of June, 2023. Still nothing has been forthcoming. I know the wheels turn slowly, but we need something done now, Ian. I've got the idea to ring you uh, only this morning. This was last week. However, I was lucky to get your email address from the secretary, secretary. Hence, hopefully, you could help too. 
you may get those wheels turning faster in order to achieve bulk billing radiation at the Riverina Cancer Centre, Wagga Wagga. I love your show. You have a voice the ordinary Australian doesn't. Well, the ordinary Australian gets the voice. I'm just the voice. But that's what the program is about, really, about all sorts of things. We have to sit back and rely on Dr Joe McGurr, who's fantastic and trying hard to make the government aware of Wagga's situation in rural health. And I hope you'll be able to speak for Wagga too. Make Australia aware, says Amy Glenn. Do me best, Amy Glenn, and uh, good luck with that. Uh, our number this morning is 1300 700 222. And um, what's the other one? Uh, com. We camped at Leichhardt Falls, says Gavin Waters, uh, a number of times. Great spot. Beautiful coloured bee eaters, rainbow bee eaters, small birds from the size of the river. Wow. At Leichhardt Falls. You may have been there. Uh, we've travelled Australia extensively and don't take any of the add-ons that others travel with. We, we live simply in our motto. Yes, the world goes on even though we don't hear about it or see it on Sat TV. Uh, at a free camp south of Carnarvon in WA, we met our neighbours before sunset to swap yarns. During the night, our neighbour's wife had a heart attack. Phone service was almost unavailable there. It took two hours to contact an ambulance service that met her, heart attack vic- victim, and her husband halfway to the hospital in Carnarvon. The sad thing is there was a defibrillator available there but required a phone service to unlock the defibrillator. There should have been a phone booster or free emergency phone available. We don't know how this lady got on us. We had to leave before hearing how she was. Most travellers are grey nomads and may require equipment like that that was not available to this in-need couple. We listen when we, uh, when and where we can, says Gavin and Narelle. They're from uh, Waters. They're from Armidale. Uh, nice to know you're listening. This is the All Over News. This is the All Over News on the road. We'll talk ships and sheep and Jupiter's contraction, TikTok, Nepal, all from the people I meet on the road. But the smell this week for me is great bunches of gelatin wax in Rundle Mall and freshly shorn sheep at the Royal in Adelaide. This last week it's been showtime and the Adelaide Royal is the most agricultural of the big capital city shows but always draws big crowds and heaps of kids and families for the sideshow attractions. Remember last week I met Doyle Gill. He was on the road taking his extreme excitement machine ride from Brisbane down to Adelaide. He's been here, now on to the Melbourne show. And yesterday it was the state shearing championships and I met up with John Duller who'd just been in Scotland shearing. Come and meet him. I'm talking to John Duller. State shearing champion, is that right, John? Uh, uh, national, yeah, yeah. <laughs> when did you win that? Oh, we won it in November last year. That was my 11th time winning it, and then we just had the world champs in Scotland in June. Oh, that's right. I talked to... Did I talk to you? I talked to some bloke from Scotland. I think it was Tom Kelly you spoke to, um, our team manager. And once I spoke to a shearer over there, and he said he'd never seen anything like the Scottish sheep. <laughs> yeah, they, they were completely different. There's nothing like them in Australia. <laughs> they're, they're, yeah, they're different. Was that good fun? It was, yeah. Sort of struggled, but we ended up doing pretty well, so it was good. And you shear all over the world? I uh, used to, yeah. I uh, used to just travel Australia and the world shearing. Um, nowadays, I've you know, got the family farm, so I run it. And, Whereabouts and, is that? 
uh, on the York Peninsula in South Australia. So love it, absolutely love it. We got a few sheep here at the show, and we got a merino stud as well. So yeah, it keeps me busy. So the state finals are on tomorrow for the machine shearing, and um, so the top nine machine shearers from SA will shear off for three spots for the state team. So the national championships are in late October up in Jamestown this year, and um, so each state brings their top three shearers over for it. How did you get into shearing? Sort of something, yeah. I've always been involved in with the farm when I was a kid. I shore my first full sheep when I was eight and just sort of went on from that and yeah quite enjoyed it so and when I was a kid sheep were like me they were little and now they're they're like bullocks now aren't they oh yeah there's some pretty big ones around yeah the heaviest ram in the in the show today like this week was over 185 kilos yeah no they're nice and heavy but yeah they sort of have to be because we get paid per kilo uh, when we sell them so you know the more kilos you got the more you you make you got sheep here at the show how did you go fantastic we ended up winning yeah, grand champion foal you horn you and short wool you and do you take them say to melbourne or to sydney or what do you do yeah yes we've shown at pretty much every major show in australia we've been to tasmania queensland west australia we're showing sydney canberra the australian sheep and wool show which is in bendigo, bendigo. In victoria we go to yeah horsham hamilton hay dubbo yeah. And the reason for that is we take them around just for the exposure. So we you know, put them in the show to pit ourselves against and compare you know, against everyone else's sheep and so everyone can have a good look and see what, how, they, you know, how they really are and how they perform. Australia is such a big country, you sort of got to take them everywhere so that you get enough exposure so people can see them. What does one of those sell for? Today, top price was 28000 a ram sold to Argentina. Uh, last year, a ram topped out at $115,000 for a merino. There was a sheep master ram we actually purchased in WA for 110000 and a Taddy Kill Aussie White Ram made about 240000 I think I'll go back in the sheep business. Oh, you <laughs> wouldn't want to right now, but um, but yeah, no, it's been pretty good the last yeah, five, five or six years. And how's your back? How old are you? 34. Because it's a tough gig shearing, isn't it? Oh, absolutely it is. Um, I'm actually feeling as good as I have for quite a number of years. You know, I was carrying a few injuries for a while there and um what from shearing actually sport mainly yeah I snapped both ACLs now and in and football was uh, it? basketball yeah so I didn't do any ACLs in football um did a rotate rotator cuff in cricket and yeah two ACLs in basketball now so do you still go overseas yeah yes well we still have the trans-tasman test in New Zealand we'll be in Waimati in New Zealand within the month I reckon I think it is and then next world championships are in New Zealand in March of 2026 so we still travel over for that is it local knowledge like the, the New New Zealand shearers got an advantage when they're shearing New Zealand sheep. They're different, aren't they? Oh, absolutely, yeah. And the organisers of the events always sort of try and make the sheep, you know, suit the local shearers so they're home ground advantage. They did that in Scotland very well, but it's no different to, you know, when they're playing test cricket, they set the pitches up to suit the home team. <laughs> I pretend I didn't hear that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we, yeah, we don't say much, but we all know it happens. John, nice to talk to you, mate. Good on you. No, brilliant. Thanks, mate. John Dalla. And when you're at the show, you notice that the animals get all the attention, scrubbing and buffing and putting their best foot forward. Meet Sam and Ethan. There's a bloke studiously shampooing a... Sorry, what's your name? Sam Buick. Where are you from, Sammy? Western Flat, South Australia. Western Flat, where's that? Between Bordertown and Narracourt. You're actually shampooing this Mogro heifer and, what, judging tomorrow? Yeah. Where are you from, Ethan? Uh, Western Flat as well. This is still Sam's cat house. Because right. Sam's my cousin. Both my mum and also my uncle, who's Sam's dad, 
we both have Murray Gray cuddle studs, so we just breed him, we're helping each other out, getting done, ready for the show. Yeah, hoping to win, that's always the plan. Plus, even just coming down here, getting to show him, have people come through, it's good promotion for us as a stud. Every year we have an on farm cattle sale so funnily enough i'm just back here to help <laughs> i'm an auto electrician apprentice at taddy truck and trailers still in the district just come back every now and then to help my parents do their jobs and i've got time off just to help them put the animals to the show do they like being shampooed well i don't think it's the shampoo they like but the scratching and scrubbing on their body they absolutely love it <laughs> <laughs> nice to talk to you ethan good luck no. sam good luck all good and all the best for you and on to Rundle Mall, where there was a long queue, lasting hours. You see them everywhere in capital cities, queues, usually related to online activity. All young adults, I was interested. I'm in Rundle Mall, and I'm talking... What's your name? My name's Johnny. Johnny, you're in a queue. What's the queue for? Uh, for a collaboration that's releasing in Uniqlo. I didn't understand any of that. What does that mean? So the store is Uniqlo, and it's collaboration with an artist. And who's the artist? I might have to do research on that one. All right, okay. It, it, it says cause. What's cause? K-A-W-S. What's that? Um, it's just a name. Just a name. Yeah. Maybe this bloke knows. What's your name? Anish. Anish? Yeah. And you're here for a t-shirt or a no, shirt? Sweatshirt, yeah. Sweatshirt. Yeah. And why? Just like the design. Really and where do you hear about it? Online or? Online, yeah. A lot on social medias like TikTok, Instagram and stuff. And my girlfriend wanted one too, so I thought, yeah, might as well just come down and get one. But looking at the line, it feels like, ah, uh, should have skipped it. <laughs> Not worth the hype, I feel. <laughs> so where are you from originally? Nepal. Nepal? Yeah. And how long have you been in Adelaide? Uh, about a year and a half now. Yeah, good. What do you do? Uh, I work in a hotel. Uh-huh. Yeah, so just work there and on my day off, so I thought might as well. Well, you look pretty flash in your cause T-shirt. What's your name? Uh, my name is Cooper. Cooper. And you're after a T-shirt or a... Uh, yeah, I'm after a T-shirt. I can't believe it. This long queue cause never heard of it really no they're, they're doing pretty well like if you look at oh, he's got something yeah, to show yeah. we, we did our minimal we did our minimal research and the guy's name is brian donnelly the artist where would we be without our mobile phones we wouldn't know anything about the world would we <laughs> currently yeah that's what it looks like and that's where it's just scary now <laughs> scary yeah. how's things in nepal you go back there yeah i was there a couple of months ago mm. for a month after five years you haven't climbed everest have you no that's a, <laughs> a regular question that everyone gets from nepal but no it's not that simple <laughs> yeah. all right good on you ash excuse me oh, uh, you're in the queue because you want a uh core shirt why because i got most of the last collection and i want some of the new collection so yeah and i went to his exhibition in melbourne so and i like him as an artist so. what does he draw what sort of stuff um that's a lot of like so the, this character here is based off cookie monster and then this one's based off mickey mouse but then he's added his own because when he started as a graffiti artist he used to do like a lot of like skull and crossbones so it's like he used to start off with like bootleg toys so it's kind of like an amalgamation of all of these like artwork and one it looks so. a bit like a koala actually <laughs> doesn't it yeah kind of yeah What's your name? Uh, Jordan. And what do you do, Jordan? Uh, full-time graphic designer. How's business? Good? Yes, all right. Nice to talk to you, Jordan. Yeah, you too. Thank you. I'm in Hay, and I'm talking to... Michael. I'm from Creswick, Victoria. That's near Ballarat. So, yeah, and what uh, are you doing in Hay? Well, I've just stopped for a coffee, and I just came into the coffee shop, and I thought, Joe, that guy looks like Macca. And I just... Was it him? 
it, it was him, yeah. and I said, oh, I'm sorry to invade your personal space. He said, I don't have personal space. I'm a national figure. And <laughs> no, you I didn't say that. No, he didn't say that. <laughs> I, de- I added that bit in. But gosh, I love that show. I love it. Sometimes it brings a tear to my eye, the sort of stories that uh, Ian... Uh, Could be the tight shoes you're wearing. That would well, make the, you cry. Yeah. yeah <laughs> no, well, actually, this is the first time I've had shoes on for four months. Tell me. I've been up in Queensland with my beautiful Labrador DJ, ex-Guide Dogs Victoria dog. I was helping with the puppy raising. But uh, I've been lucky to be in Queensland and, of course, not having to wear shoes because of the warmth. Mm. So shoes went on for the first time this morning. And, so what uh, do you do, Michael, for a living? Well, now I, I am retired. Mm. So I'm in my early 70s and uh, now I'm just enjoying this phase of life. I went to shake hands with Michael and he said, I won't shake hands with you because you have what? Because I had the Viking disease, which is called, the technical term is Jupiter's contraction. Where's your ha- it's where your hand goes into a claw shape. And the only way to fix it is to have hand surgery, which is coming up. One of the reasons I'm heading back is to have my Jupiter's contraction resolved. It's said to be a disease introduced from the Vikings to into the northern part of Europe. So if you've got any northern European connection, mostly affects men, but women, you dear women, you can get it. So yes, I said I'll have to shake with my left hand. <laughs> so we did that. We did. So what did you do for a living? I was in the maritime uh, business, <laughs> ship management, working for ship owners. It was a great career and it took me all over the world. Uh, we don't have any locally owned ship uh, companies anymore do we no we don't that's a big issue i was for a maritime nation surrounded by water it's a bit of a worry actually i think yeah you're quite right it's been a big political issue i know back in the 1970s gough whitlam the labor government then got hold of it and uh, it was great investment in uh, australian shipping some of it was a bit shaky some of the decisions But I think it's a huge issue, a strategic issue, but it doesn't seem to be getting discussed. And we had great companies. Burns Philp and stuff were were great maritime companies, weren't they? Yeah, indeed. Burns Mm. Philp, the Australian National Line, which Mm. was a government-owned line, then that was sold to the French, I think. Mm. But now mostly internationals, yes. Michael, how's things in Creswick? It's good. It's a little town of 3,000 people. Very cold, which is when uh, we want to get out this time of the year. Very close to the spa country, so its tourism is uh, alive and well there as also. Seems to be alive and well everywhere, which is pretty good, I think, for towns like Hay and Creswick. Well, having just driven down from near Townsville, the roads are a mass with caravans, and there goes a huge one by as I speak to Ian from Australia all over. Australia all over, but yes, caravans everywhere. People are on the move. You can see it in the. 60, 70 year olds, they're just on the go. With their dogs, just like you. With their dogs, just like me. <laughs> Michael, lovely to meet you. Good on yeah, you. Yeah, you too. I'm glad I yelled out to you, and I hope I didn't invade too much of your personal no, you space. I certainly didn't. Thank you. Nice to talk to you. Thank you, Ian. On the line, I have uh, a long time friend of mine uh, and journalist uh, news in newspapers, radio, television. He knows. Uh, he knows the market pretty well. His name is Mark Day. Uh, I'd say good morning. Good morning, Mark. Good day, Mark. How are you? Yeah. Uh, we're, in, we're in Adelaide uh, this morning. Uh, you're in Sydney. Uh, no, no. I'm in beautiful downtown Yankalilla, which is just south of Adelaide. Oh, are you really? Yes. Yeah, yeah. How, I'm, c- I'm, how come? Well, I've got a nice little property down here. Um, 
where we run a little Airbnb and I come, I spend my time, um, half of it in Sydney and half of it down here. And you've got me in, in, um, Yankalilla. Uh, the Floria Peninsula. The Floria. Yep. Gum Australia's best kept secret. <laughs> yes, Yankalilla would be a good place to write a song about. That's, it really rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? Yankalilla. Well, yeah. I'm, I'm a thriller, the thriller, the thriller in Yankalilla. That could have been a, yeah. <laughs> you can too. <laughs> now, Mark, I, I um, wanted to talk to you this morning because um, the Walkleys seem to be in some sort of um, uh, uh, peril. Is that right? Would that be right? Explain to people what's happened with the Walkleys. The Walkleys, ladies and gentlemen, are, they're a bit like the Academy Awards and the, you know, the Mo Awards. Speaking of which, there's a, a, a big statue of Mo Roy Reen here in the in the street down. In Hindley Street, I think it is, because um, yeah. he was born here and then he went on to fame and fortune. But, uh, yeah, you've heard of the Academy Awards and the Mo Awards and all those sort of things where various industries give themselves awards at the, and uh, the Walkleys were for journalists. Um, uh, I haven't got a Walkley. Uh, John Laws hasn't got a Walkley. Uh, <laughs> um, have you got a Walkley, Mark? No, as a matter of fact, I've never entered. <laughs> you can't win without entering. You, you've got to enter, haven't you? Exactly. <laughs> Anyway, um, but it, it seems it's a bit like cancel culture has hit the uh, hit the Walkleys. Explain to people what's happened. Yes, well, it, it's rather quaint, I think, that cartoonists of all uh, newspaper commentary people, are they meant to be a bit crazy or certainly funny, satirical, and they can be silly, ridiculous, zany, sometimes outrageous. But at the moment, they're the centre of a council culture move because some cartoonists fear that the Walkleys are supported by Ampol, which is the company that uh, was founded in Australia, the Australian Motorist Petrol Company, yep. uh, by uh, William Gaston Walkley, who was its, its founder and, and its head. And he was a strange bloke back in the 50s because he actually liked journalists and journalism. And therefore, he funded this prize, the uh, perpetual prize, uh, and he died in uh, 1976. Um, and he was a strange old bloke. Um, as I say, he liked journalists, a funny man. Um, but um, he also had what you'd call old-fashioned views about white Australia and all of that. Anyway, the reason that a group of cartoonists, um, predominantly in Sydney, but some in Melbourne, have said ban the Walkleys is because Ampol supports them and Ampol is a fossil fuel company and fossil fuels are on the nose and um, therefore to highlight that they want to get rid of fossil fuels, they want to get rid of cartoons. And they want to... And they want to get yeah. – well, they could call it the Wokeleys. Um, I, I was thinking that last night. And they could say, well, instead of calling it the Wokeleys, we could call it the Wokeleys. And that would sound – Well, I think that's a good one-liner. But the other one-liner that I thought of last night, that is cartooning is a very serious business <laughs> because it can get you killed. Remember the Charlie Hebdo Muhammad cartoons in, in um, Europe? Yes, exactly. And, and also more recently um, – Bill Leake, when he did that brutal cartoon about um, Aborigines taking responsibility, he was pilloried and he had a um, um, a police guard mm. for months after yeah. that cartoon appeared. It was very serious. But, you know, the I, I just think it's passing odd that the people who are, whose job it is to make fun of us get so deadly serious about a... a 
a cancel culture or a woke issue. Surely you can't pit the attitudes of 50 years ago against the attitudes of today and make judgments about the behaviour of people 50 years ago. It's just... It's illogical and stupid as a cartoon. Yeah, and as you mentioned before, Mr Walker, I, I did an interview um, oh, two or three months ago with a bloke called Colin Dennett, or Dennett. Uh, he wrote a book, uh, The History of Ampol, because Ampol's, if, if you drive around Australia now, you'll see lots of Ampol stations, which sort of disappeared because yeah, they, they were bought by um, Caltex, I think, in America, and then, then they resold it. So all of a sudden Ampol's reappeared. And, and part of his book, he said... Um, you mentioned that uh, William Walkley, you know, was very keen on um, responsible journalism because it was very important to us to hear stories and hear, as our, our managing director says, uncomfortable stories here at the ABC. Um, we need to hear more uncomfortable stories, I think. But um, so he said um, Walkley was very keen, on, as you said, on, on journalism and, and good responsible journalism, very part of the fabric of democracy. But um, um, And... Uh, but Mr. Walkley seems to be on the outer now with, with uh, as you said, especially with uh, cartoonists yeah, who, well, who maybe don't have a sense of humour. That couldn't be, could it? <laughs> no. <laughs> anyway. Some of them do. They said in, in lieu of this um, uh, this ban by, by some of the more left-wing ones, those that don't agree with that view are going to uh, enter and several others and therefore win it and thumb their nose at those who uh, who refuse. <laughs> yeah, but, well, it's it's quite strange, isn't it? I mean, the thing you see with the Academy Awards especially, you see a lot of really expensive people uh, giving themselves more awards, which seems a bit, you know, um, it's very, I mean, it's, I suppose originally it was something for, you know, saying well, you've done really well, but now it's a big... Uh, you know, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, but but we still turn up on Academy Awards night and watch it from start to finish. <laughs> you know, it's got a it, it it's got a certain charm to it that makes it unavoidable. Exactly. Well, yeah. I don't know what'll happen with the Walkleys, but um, maybe they'll disappear, Mister Walkley. But as you say, he's well, a, think- a great Good. champion of of, uh, of journalists. Yeah, you, you're right, Maker. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So, Mark, a uh, uh, quick weather report for Yankalilla. Uh, it's sunny and it's going to be, I think, um, uh, 18 degrees or something like that today, which is not very hot yet, but it does mm. get hot later. And and how come you picked Yankalilla? How come you picked uh, Yankalilla well, to, to have a little it, place? It, it, it was a funny thing. We found this um, heritage house. Uh, which was, um, the first half of it was built in the 1840s. And it really is a charming, charming little cottage in the middle of nowhere. And uh, I just like the yin and yang of it. When I'm living in in Sydney, I'm in a, an apartment on the beach. And when I'm down here, I'm in the, wow. in the little valley outside Yankalilla, communing <laughs> with nature and singing with the birds. What could be more beautiful? <laughs> Mark Day, uh, great to talk to you, mate. Thank you. Good on you, Macca. See you, mate. Bye. I've been on the road and passing through places, and I'm going to pass through on the way back too. To uh, yeah, I'll come and see you. Probably I'll go to Ballranald, and I want to go to back to Hay. Hay was fantastic, and Wagga, all little towns, Narandra, all those little towns along the way across the Hay Plain. But I spoke to Chris and Margie McClelland, 
and I'll bring you that another time, but Chris just said something. He's, I said, what's it like being out in the Lachlan? Because when I was at school, of course, we learned about the Lachlan, but you never hear about the Lachlan anymore. It's all about the, the Murray and the Darling, the Murray and the Darling, until the last floods. And, of course, the Lachlan went berserk and flooded all the towns along the place. But it's a big, long river, the Lachlan. You have a look at it on your map. Consult your map. But he told me this most fascinating story. This is Chris McClelland. Chris, what is the, one of the things you've noticed about the floods uh, along the Lachlan? What did you see at your place? Well, certainly because the water's been up for such a long time, the number of water rats built up are uh, just incredible. Uh, I suppose there's a huge amount of food there in the way of yabbies and small fish. And you can go down to the river now and just see water rat after water rat. They're a little native rat, aren't they? They're a native rat. Yeah, they're reddish. How big do they grow? They grow much bigger than an ordinary rat, probably almost double the size. But uh, they've got a reddish tinge to the hair and a white tip on the tail. Lovely thing. They're a lovely creature, yes. So when you say there's lots of them... Uh, Probably in the 21 years that I was on the Lachlan, probably only saw a few in the river itself. I wonder if you could domesticate them. <laughs> uh, you, you, probably, you probably could. You probably could. <laughs> Especially if you fed them, I'd say. Yeah. Y- yes. Yeah, <laughs> in yeah. tough times. Yeah, no, they're, they're a remark- remarkable creature. Yeah, I've heard about the water rat. I don't think I've ever seen one, but anyway. They live in the water, yes, and they make burrows in the bank. Wonderful thing. Marvellous. Chris McClelland, I'd love to see a little water rat. I'd like to have one in the backyard or two. And don't they sound lovely with a lovely sort of reddish tinge on their fur? And you don't hear, again, all we hear about is koalas and kangaroos in Australia, but there's so much to see if you just look and listen and talk to people. I was at uh, filling up the petrol just out of... Out just outside Balranald the other day. I'm in Balranald. Last place you'd reckon you'd find your skiers. What's your name? <laughs> My name's Andy. Andy, where are you off to? I'm going to Ginderbine. From? Adelaide. We're going to have a little bit of a late season ski and try and get a little bit of the last of the winter out of it. Is there any there? Have you done any recce? Yeah, yeah. we're on the, the Snow Watch website every week having a look and there's, um, there's a bit more grass and rock than there is snow. But apparently there is snow coming. Oh, really? Yeah, not much, I think, but it's enough for us. He says with hope in his heart. (laughs) Absolutely, 100%. (laughs) We don't live in Canada, so we've got to make most of everything here, I tell you. How long have you been skiing? Uh, Since I was 13. Mm -hmm. What do you do for a living? I'm a property manager. Uh Uh-huh. So that's boring. Yeah, you can get time off, right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Lucky enough to own the business, so my son's working while I go and play. For me, it's about the only thing I can do in life where there's no other thought in my brain. So, and I'll take that every day of the week. <laughs> Got a couple of mates with you. Yeah, another mate, Andy, and another mate, Hosko. Yeah, he's, Andy's a snowboarder and Hosko's a skier. All good mates. How are you, Andy? Yeah, well, mate, you? Yeah, good, good. That's an Olympic sport now, snowboarding, isn't it? Of course it is, mate. It should be. <laughs> it's a fantastic sport. Uh, I've been doing it for about 20, 25 years. I'm an old fellow, though, so I started late. If there's no snow, you can skateboard, can't you? No, you, you just drink, put wheels on no, it. No, you drink beer. <laughs> brewery's good. <laughs> the brewery's, you always find a brewery near an Australian ski resort. You need it. Or a gin distillery. <laughs> <laughs> well, just take it steady, boys. Take it steady. Nice to talk to you anyway. Yeah, good thanks, Macker, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Macker. Good on you, mate. In the studio this morning with me, apart from Cathy Renner. You say good morning again, Cathy. Cathy's a songwriter, a singer, a, a writer, a, she's a performer. Star of musicals. Star of musicals. What's, <laughs> what's the musical called again? It's called A Box of Memories. And it's about Alzheimer's, isn't dementia. it? Or dementia. Yeah, yeah, dementia, which is really what it is. Alzheimer's is very, 
isn't yeah. it, specific, whereas dementia really covers the whole the whole thing. Um, so what's your plans? Cathy does a lot of um, touring overseas. She goes to places like Germany, wie geht's? And Gut, danke. Danke, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, um, and plays there. And so you got any more plans to do that? I'm working on some stuff at the moment, so... I can't give you any details no. at the moment, but when I have them, I'll, you'll be the first to know. And the musical, yeah, yeah, yeah. You say that, and you haven't you haven't rung me for fifteen years. Oh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what's the name of the musical? You, a, a box of a, memories. A box of memories by Duncan and Erin McKellar. And it's a it's about dementia. Yes, and it's um, poignant. I suppose it must be very poignant. Yeah, it's just a small cast of three of us. The, mm. A doctor. The daughter and the woman with dementia who's played by me. Uh-huh. Which is lucky because if I forget lines, it doesn't matter so No, much, exactly. That's, yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit like Paul McCartney's album he released a couple of years ago, um, Memory Almost Full. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So all that sort of stuff. Well, look, it's been lovely to be back in Adelaide and especially with old friends. listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.